teams sit right on the baseline. The big fella from New Zealand. When we cut him off baseline, he started walking in there. Baseline podcast. We have an international guest today doing my first Blazers breakdown of the new NBA season after six NBA games. We have my guy Brandon Goldner of We Like the Blazers. Brandon, how are you going today? I'm good, Stevie. Yeah, things are good. Optimism is just overflowing with this early season, six games in. People are drawing all sorts of conclusions. We're taking small samples and just running with it. And whether you love Neil Olshay or you hate Neil Olshay, you can probably find a stat in there to support your view. So I always love the early season because it is like you're working with so little and yes. especially not for me, but for people who really do this stuff for a living. I mean, you have to say something about it. You can't ignore the small sample size, right? So that's, it's just a, the early season's always kind of fun because, and of course they have a new coach. So there's like an extra layer of optimism of kind of what will be, um, so yeah, things are good. Uh, yeah, feeling good. It's, it's good, man. Yeah, it's um, it's a funny old time. There's obviously been the, the off season, and when we caught up last, it was you know all over the place with the coaching change, and then um, free free agency was it was kind of interesting. And then I had Adrian Bernisic from um, Blazers Edge on. Yeah, we had a bit of a chat, talked on the free agency signings. So we've done a few Blazer pods and. Now we're sort of into the season. It feels good that we have basketball back. Um, but some interesting Blazer games. I think the offense has been what we thought it would be. Um, and then defensively, up and down. I've seen some better things, but I still haven't seen enough to see that there's been changed. Last year, when the defense was trash, they held a good team to, say, 95 points. and then it was sort of like, wow, the defense is good. This year, I've only seen the same. I've seen some games, but I haven't seen enough consistency. So when I've jumped onto cleaning the glass this morning, I see really the only change to so the Blazers are currently a 20th in defense. The only change, though, significantly to last year looks like that the team's fouling less. But the main issue is they're still giving up a ton of threes. Is that your take on the defense so far? It's partially my take. Um, I can't wait to argue with you about this. So I actually, so you're right about the stats. And by the way, shout out to Cleaning the Glass and Ben Falk, who does great work awesome, with that. Bro. I actually just got a subscription to Cleaning the Glass yesterday. And so I'm learning how to use it. And I'm being irresponsible by pulling stats and stuff. Um, but you're right. I mean, as far as like how it shows up in the numbers, it doesn't really look all that much better. And I do want to hit on some of those numbers in a second. But where I would disagree is I do think it looks quite a bit different. And I think that that's part of the reason why the numbers have not been better. Um, and so you can call me naive or Pollyanna or whatever, but in my view, some of the reason why their defense isn't working is because people are being asked to do stuff that they haven't done before. And I think that does result in a lot of, I was trying to figure out to your point about why are they giving up so many threes and so many open threes and when I watch it to my eye, what I see are players moving more in general, exerting more effort in general, but that that movement and that effort isn't particularly coordinated. Like it's not on a string. It looks very mm. much like 
people are overthinking everything that they're doing and then they're caught way far out of position at times. So my take on this would be, again, early season, small sample size. I'm okay with letting some of this stuff ride for the first 15, 20, or maybe even 25 games as people learn this stuff. And I think it's a little bit too soon to draw major conclusions. That's That would be my take on it. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's fair. I, I don't think that the defense has been has been bad. I just I've seen some really great efforts, and I think there's probably some a hangover from the two previous seasons where I don't have the trust. And it's not I I don't think that they've been terribly um, bad defensively. And I've seen some games where I've been like, wow, this things are really good. The rotations are better, um, and I think even just improving the fouling. That's a massive, massive thing, especially for guys like Nurk, who's had issues fouling. Um, even CJ, who I consider to be um, a guy that quite often makes smart decisions, just an opportune and ones last year or, or in, in any in any year where the guy will make just make decisions, and you're like, oh, you know, it's just at the wrong time as well. Fouls at a really, really an, an opportune time. So I don't, I don't think that they've been bad it's just that the the six game sample size i feel like i need to see uh, a bit more in terms of the the actual performances how have you felt about the team and how they're actually playing as a whole under the new coach under chauncey i've been pretty optimistic and the biggest reason why and it didn't come until a couple games ago coach billups has shown that he's willing to change his mind about stuff which i think most Blazers fans, again, whether you liked Terry Stotts or not, his biggest flaw, especially near the end, is that the dude was very stubborn. He had a system. He was going to do it his way. It didn't matter. There were a couple seasons I know the Blazers had to change up their defense. And after a few games, he goes, oh, never mind. It's not working. I'm not going to change it. And Coach Billups, again, in the, in the first couple games, first three, four games, you saw Damian Lillard really buying into the new offense. He was doing stuff that was outside of his comfort zone. Same thing on defense. But what I think you saw, particularly in the last couple of games, is that Chauncey Billups is willing to let his best players do what they're most comfortable doing in spurts. And that makes me very optimistic because if the Blazers can work on their new offense, if the Blazers can get Dame doing stuff he's not comfortable doing yet, running more off ball, running more complex sets, if they can do that stuff, and if the coach is willing to say, okay, Dame, go get a bucket, do a high pick and roll, do your thing, if they're willing to balance those two things, that makes me feel really, really good about the Blazers moving forward. And so I know that they're only three and three. If you look at the box scores, it's felt very up and down schizophrenic. They lose by 20, they win by 30 back and forth. But all of this to me is in the context of a new coach with new defensive and offensive systems and a team that's willing to try and a coach who's willing to say, Hey, especially cause Dame's been in a bit of a slump, go ahead and do your thing. If they're willing to balance those two things, I, I think it's going to be good news moving forward. Yeah, agreed. Does prior to the season, we thought that, and, and Chauncey had spoken on this, that they were going to try and get more easy looks in the offense. Um, and in my eyes, if you look at the way that a Dame has been playmaking, um, I just saw your tweet talking about um, the stats, and then I thought about getting more corner threes because. Um, Chauncey wanted to get more of those shots does Dame's um, shot attempts at the moment they're only I think it's 18 
I've got. This is not. This is including garbage time. So eighteen attempts a game. Is it smarter as he ages that the team looks to still have the ball in his hands as much, but decreases off his offensive load a little bit, and then tweak the lineups? And if you look at the the scoring guards we have on the team, Powell and Anthony Simons. Anthony Simons both obviously excellent. Um, you know, shot creators, shot makers, and obviously CJ McCullum. And then if you add in um, Nurkic, who's had a pretty good, strong start to the year, with Robert Covington as well, Dazir Little's had a good start. Is that something that, you, that you've that you seen that they're trying to do and that now Lillard has a lot more assists so far um, and he seems to be trying to dime people up a bit more in the pick and roll? What have you seen from Dame and, and what do you think about his offensive load? I think there's a little bit to unpack with that. I mean, the, basically the question being like, would it be better as Dame is aging to get him to do something other than just throw him the ball, and let him do his thing. Mm. Um, in the abstract, the answer is yes, but, and I think a lot of people who wanted coach thoughts to be fired would, would also say, yes, have Dame do something that looks more like what Steph Curry does, but there's a human element to basketball that I don't think we can ignore there are people's feelings and preferences and comfort levels involved. There are egos involved. And part of is Dame willing to, in year nine, in year 10, as a 31-year-old who's one of the top 75 NBA players of all time, six-time All-NBA, is he willing to do something that's much different than what he's been asked to do? And I think that so far this season, he has demonstrated, Damian Lillard has demonstrated, yes, I'm willing to try something else. Now, you also have that Damian Lillard is in a pretty epic slump. And the longer this goes, the harder it is to ignore. I mean, just, I mean, look, counting stats are what they are, but he's averaging 18 points a game, right? He's shooting 35%. He's shooting 23% from deep. That's not Damian Lillard. And so the question is like, what is going on? Like, is it his abdominal injury? That's a carryover from the Olympics. It's something that he apparently deals with every year, but maybe he's getting older. He's dealing with it maybe a little bit less efficiently now than in the past. Is it that it's a new system? Is it just a quirk? Is it that some people have said, is it the new ball? I don't know. But like, again, to loop back to your question, like, yes, like in the abstract, it would be better if Damian Lillard could play more off ball, lessen the offensive load, lessen his minutes, right? Lessen the team's reliability on him so that other people can be more productive. The team can elevate more. That would be better. Will it work? We don't know yet. I mean, we know right now, again, small sample size, Right now, it's not working, really. I mean, Damian Lillard's having the worst start maybe ever, and the Blazers are just three and three. But again, I, I'm still optimistic because it's a small sample. I like that they're trying new stuff. Billups has been flexible. Dame is bought in. I think that's all really good. So I think we just have to wait and see if it if it shakes out as time goes on as part of it. Yeah, agreed. So his shot profile, as I've had a look, um, while you were talking, his shot profile was almost exactly the same in terms of he's taking shots from the same spots. Um, and his drive game looks like there was a game, I think we only made one or two threes, but had a lot at the rim. So it seems like his ability to put the ball on the floor and get to the rim, which I think is is tougher um, than, not, than having to shoot threes, shows that he's probably not, he doesn't have an injury, but... Also, when I look back on pre- stats from previous years, Dame has started slow in seasons before. Maybe never this slow, um, but I'm not overly worried about it. Obviously, if it 
this continued for another 10 games, then you'd be a bit more stressed about it. But I've seen Clay Thompson, I think it was the when he had the 60 points with eight dribbles. I'm pretty sure that was the year that he started <laughs> something like 20% from three. And people were like, you know, is he not the same Clay? And and a lot of a lot of smarter commentators were like, well, we know he's going to bounce back. He's too good not to. And I feel I feel the same with Dame. I think what feels weird is that uh, we have a bunch of other, you know, players who are playing really well, um, but this team doesn't feel the same when Dame isn't going off. And I know that he will. Yeah. And when he does, I expect fireworks. Now, there's probably a fifty, maybe even sixty point game coming. Um, but yeah, deep down, I know that the longer it goes, the, the more nervous I feel. I mean, the biggest thing I'd be concerned about is is if he's dealing with an injury that's not resolving. Because you're like, and I'm hoping that's not what it is. He's claiming that's not what it is. But then again, Damian Lillard is is one of the more cagey players about talking about injury. I know something that Casey Holdall talked about on Blazers reporter Casey Holdall talked about on his podcast, The Blazers Balcony, that Damian Lillard was pissed off when he found out that people found out about his abdominal injury and that that may explain why he didn't perform in the Olympics as well as maybe he could have, and that we know he could, that Dame, rather than using that as an excuse, he was mad that people found out and said something to the effect of teammates need to keep their mouths shut. Okay, so if Dame's not saying he's injured, that doesn't mean he's not injured. It just means he's not talking about it. So I'm with you. I'm not super concerned. I think it's mostly they're trying a new system. And look, like, let's think about anything in our lives where we've done something for a long time and we've been asked to change the way we do it, whether it's like a workflow at work, whether it's something like you're fixing your golf swing or your shot in basketball, you know that it gets worse before it gets better. And the hope is that by working through that period of discomfort, you build in the, you're building the muscle memory, right? You're getting more comfortable with it that over time, it then starts clicking more naturally and that that positive structural benefit that you were hoping for starts shining through. And so that's my hope for this. And so that's why I'm not super worried about Dame's start so far. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel the same in terms of how the team is overall. Uh, when I watch the team and then I look up and down the, the stats so far for the six games, I, I feel like this team has more, strong mid-level depth than it's had for a while on the offensive end but I can't help but feel like I don't know are there, are there too many guys now I'd, I I'm, I'm not I'm not sure how I, how I feel about it but a guy like Robert Covington is only getting five shots a game now I've never considered him a dude who's like yeah, I need 10 shots and give me the ball he he is an off-ball player but when I look when I look up and down there I'm like there's some personalities on this team. Um, Nurkic complained about his role last year. I I haven't compared his his shot at, his shot attempts, and he's actually had quite an efficient start. But Norman Powell, who we gave um, you know ninety million to, yeah, how do you feel about how things have been shared around? Because Anthony Simons, for example, has doubled his um, his shot attempts from last year, and all of a sudden he's up to ten. Now that's working really well, which is great, but that takes away from other guys how are you feeling about the, the group and who's getting what and, and and sort of that spread in the offense that's an interesting thought that they may have too many guys because yeah i mean they're rolling what are, are they rolling nine deep right now uh so it's cj dame norm uh 
Nurkic, Powell, uh, and then they have Larry Nance, Cody Zeller, Simons, and Nas Little. So that's nine. Yeah. Um, and, and everyone is getting minutes, right? And I think Coach Billups has done a good job balancing that. But I think that there is something to what you said about are there too many guys? Because especially when you get into the more competitive parts of any given game or when you get to the playoffs, you shorten your rotation. So like if the playoffs were to start tomorrow, like are we certain we know what that seven or eight person rotation would be? No, I don't think so, right? Um, I, I'm a little bit concerned too. You mentioned Robert Covington. Like the, is he being squeezed out because he's attempting fewer shots than at any time since he was a rookie, which you need him to be engaged not only as a safety valve on offense for those threes, but also you need him to stay engaged on defense. Um, you're trying to incorporate Larry Nance Jr. You just gave Norm Powell a ton of money. CJ's having a great year, but you need to get Dame started. So maybe he's taking more shots. And meanwhile, Anthony Simons is blowing up. He's also playing for a contract. Um, and you have Cody Zeller playing way better than I thought he would. I don't even think the stats tell the full story. When you watch him play, it's a lot of fun. Uh, he just knows where to be. So yeah, I, I don't know. Like I, I think, so to answer the question directly, do I, my concern about the how many how many people are playing, not really because it's a regular season, but that is one of the jobs of a coach. And again, this is so hard to talk about and to contextualize, but a lot of what I, as a fan or someone who watches the team, a lot of what I would want the team to do and what I would want players to do, it can't happen in a vacuum. So you mm -hmm. can't make Nurkic happy with a bigger role and give CJ a bigger role and give Powell a bigger role and give Simons a bigger role and make Dame feel happy. And make, you know what I mean? Like yeah. at some point there's only one basketball and so it is the job of a coach. How is it that you get everyone bought into your vision and you say, you know, tonight or the next couple nights, like you're not going to eat. Someone else has got to eat or like we got to get Dame going. Like, so yeah, I'm contradicting myself as I'm talking, honestly, like it's cause it, yeah, I said I'm not concerned about it, but now the more I talk about it, like this could be, this could be, maybe it's something people need to watch in the next couple of games. Right. Yeah. Where it's like, how is it that Billups balances all of these people's playing time? Um, and I'll say one more thing too. Actually, no, I'll, I'll cut it there. Sorry. I have a tendency to just keep talking and I don't want to, <laughs> I don't mind. I don't want to do that. I, I, the way our pods roll is we both talk and talk and, and I think it's a really good balance. You go back to what you say next, but I think I, and I touched on this in, in the off season, either in the pod with you or, um, maybe it was an article I wrote that the team as constructed now is at a point where this year the rubber had hit the road in terms of results and now that Nazir has you know taken some steps forward and we'll, we'll talk on him and then Ant Ant with a bigger role if he's averaging 12 points a game and he's an elite catch and shoot dude which I feel with two seasons there's enough of a sample there you know I'm not saying he's Duncan Robinson but Duncan Robinson got 80 million on two good seasons and I know he's six seven but you're talking about a guy who's about to go and get paid so this team I mean if, if they win then yep that's fine we'll pay the tax we'll pay Nas we'll pay Ant we'll bring back Nurk that's fine but with all those guys there it's fine if they win um then we don't need we don't need to to, to talk about it now this would be something that'll happen later if things aren't going well at the deadline or whatever but it's an interesting year when you think about the new guys that are brought in and you realize, oh shit, Larry Nance is on this team. You know, we're paying this guy 10 million a year. Um, so it's, it's really quick. Can I, 
Do you think that the Blazers made a mistake by not extending Simons? Like maybe not like, do you think they should have overpaid him compared to how he played last year in order to lock him in? Because now he's kind of playing his way into an even bigger contract. I mean, I, I would have, I, I, I suppose the tough part is that like, look at, I always get Macau and Miles Bridges confused. Um, the Hornets, they only offered 60 million over four years. Um, and, and you think about if you're, if you're someone's agent, for example, um, and they've come, they've come off a really great year. Um, and uh, Miles Bridges, for example, you've come off a really great year and you're going into the negotiating room, uh, with the team and you have a number in mind. Um, and you know that the team is not going to meet you there. So you go and push for a little bit higher and you try and meet in the middle. I just don't know what the Blazers, I feel like Neil would have gone really, really low. And it's not, I don't, I'm not always the biggest Neil fan, but I think that what he probably would have done is this is the way the guy works is he's gone in with quite a low offer and says, Hey, you need to go out and something more. But I agree with you that, man, I would have just tried to get the guy for, four years 40 because all of a sudden if he's four years 60 which is I mean, he could get more if this is really really good then the if he keeps really playing this way he's going to get more than that yeah he's, he, yeah he could be getting 15 or 16 million like if yeah. you're talking about better than gary Trent in terms of shooting um obviously not as great defensively but showing a bit more defensively and then all of a sudden this year i've looked at his looked at his numbers and as well as the games itself finishing better at the rim. Last year, he showed a little bit of playmaking. This year, lots more. We obviously know the transition ability. Um, crazy athlete. He has other things that, that you know you, you want when you go and extend a dude. And It seems weird that they didn't try and get him for some number as far as what we know. Whereas the Trent number before, when it actually came out, it was that he had turned down four four years 52 some sort of like well why didn't it come out on what ant's potential number was i don't know like yeah mm. and that's uh, i think that you raise a good point it's like we are operating in a vacuum of information we don't know what neil Shea offered we don't know what simon's wanted and maybe the blazers did offer quite a bit and simon's just turned it down because he thought he was gonna play that much better but like as you look at him right now like he is in like the top 10% of three point shooters in the league, or maybe even higher than that. Like something I said on my podcast the other day was <clears throat> last year when Anthony Simons was shooting, you know, 40 something percent from three, it was 42% from three uh, on six attempts. And it was like, or on four attempts, it was like, wow, well, if he could shoot more, that would be fine if the percentage came down as long as he's getting more volume. Well, guess what? Now he's shooting even more and he's shooting it even more accurately. It's just yeah. like wild. So, um, I don't know. Shout out to Anthony Simons. Uh, I wanted to bring one other thing into the conversation really quick too, which is about when we're talking about looking at the team, like for people who are trying to contextualize where the blazers are in a small sample size, I would encourage people to check out the dunked on podcast. They do like a review of all the teams in a particular conference and something that they started their podcast out with, uh, on the Western conference was 
how long it takes for certain stats to stabilize. And I wanted to just quickly rattle these off and just tell me if any of them jump out at you. Um, so what they said was that for a team's pace, how quickly they play and for their three point attempt rate, you only need like four games to make that a representative sample. So you can know pretty quick, like how quickly a team plays or how much they're shooting threes that will be representative pretty quickly. Free throw rate. It takes about five games. An opponent's three point attempts takes a little bit longer than that, about six games. And then you get into beyond where we are now, net rating takes eight games. So when people are saying, Oh, the Blazers net rating is this or that. Like you look at it last game compared to following their loss to the Hornets. It's much, much different. Well, okay. That's why it takes a while to stabilize. That takes eight games. True shooting percentage takes 12 games. The rebound percentage takes 15 games. And then I found this one, the most interesting, a team's three point percentage or their opponent's three point percentage. You need to wait 25 or 30 games before you get a representative sample. Um, so I know that was like a lot of um, <laughs> a lot of That's stuff true. thrown at you, but it, like as you're thinking through those stats, like you as a fan, as an analyst, is there anything in there that you're kind of waiting for to finally start drawing conclusions about the team here in the early season? Yeah, I mean, I, for me, I think probably more about the defense and then the shot profile. Um, if, if we are to see a significant change, I think the team will shoot well, if not better from three, um, taking uh, the backup five minutes and adding uh, a little bit of Larry Mance. Um, Nurkic will probably attempt a bit more. Um, I think there's like this team has less non-shooters and then you've put a guy like Norman Powell in there. Um, it's, I, so I'd say probably the shot profile will we, will we be taking more corner threes and then how yep. will the opponent three-point percentage you touched on what will the opponent three-point percentage be like this year? Because this team last two seasons before this season really struggled to defend from three. Um, someone did bring up a good point. It was in a separate Discord chat that I'm in talking about the Blazers' struggles um, on the boards. And it's not... When I went and did a free agency preview, I wasn't ever thinking about um, the Blazers' struggling in terms of... a. Um, allowing too many offensive boards or, or anything like that. But it is something now that this person brought up this morning. I've sort of thought I haven't reviewed that this year, but I feel with the, the the potential to have some bigger lineups out there, if there's not a three-guard lineup, and I don't know if Ant plays so well, I don't think he can force his way into the closing lineup because you haven't paid Norman Powell $18 million a year for him to sit. But you, you have to take both of those players out who, who are playing quite well at the moment to be able to have the bigger lineup. But I would, wouldn't would surprise me to see some Covington at three, um, some Yoroko at four, and some bigger lineups to try and fix that rebounding. Is rebounding something that you've ever focused on or thought, oh, the, the Blazers struggle? Because sometimes they do and they have struggled to close out positions in the last couple of years now that I reflect on it. That's a good question. I actually know the, the answer is that I haven't thought about rebounding. Um, and it's kind of like one of the most important parts about defense, even though we don't think about it as being defensive, but getting a rebound either means that you have stopped the other team's possession or that you have extended your own team's possession and how important that is. And particularly for like getting in position, like it's a lot easier for you as a team to respond 
if you get a defensive rebound than if you're scrambling after the the other team has like secured an offensive rebound that's like oh crap right like um so i haven't thought a ton about that but i have thought about their big rotation and this is kind of hot takey but i'm gonna ask you it anyway um (laughs) i mentioned earlier uh that i really like how cody zeller has been playing and it seems like he just kind of knows where to be and when to be there he looks very fluid in the lineups that we've seen uh do you think that the blazers should start giving cody zeller more minutes do you think that they should maybe be taking minutes away from someone like yusuf nurkic or do you think that that's just a terrible idea um the the quandary at the moment with nurk as as we look towards what his next payday will be. Um, you know, he's obviously been able to negotiate an extension up until, like, he can negotiate one now. If you have a four-year extension, it could have been negotiated, I think, from about a year ago. So his future with the team, I find, is really, really interesting. And when he's on, yeah, the, the Blazers are, are such a great team and so many people have spoken on a link prior to and, and at the moment and how important he is. Um, but Zella seems to be able to do a bit of everything and, and I think more consistent, it, his consistency is probably what this team needs a bit more. And Nurkic will have massive periods where he's playing at a fringe all-star level in terms of a big, but when he's not on, um, when you consider how important the center position is these days in the NBA, that the team really struggles. You know, he's, um, I just had a look before, his turnover rate is quite high this year and it's those brain lapses where, um, you know, he carries the ball quite quite low all of a sudden and he gets stripped um, or he holds it too long down low. Um, inopportune turnovers from time to time in transition. Like, you know, these aren't things that happen a lot individually, but turnovers, fouls, um, Cody Zeller, I think, more minutes in certain lineups. Um, he's a guy, if you see him passing out of the short roll, maybe he can't make the passes, the high-level reads that Nurkic can make in terms of dribble handoffs. But on the short roll, he's able to do similar. Um, I'd say his mobility is probably a bit better than, than Nurk's. Um, and as a finisher around the rim, you might say that Nurkic is a lot stroke, are stronger, but his numbers have never, they've never got to the level where you would say, hey, this is, this, he's finishing at an Embiid level. And I think that Nurk has the touch, but he's never, his feel, maybe it's his feel, his feel around the rim has never really been at that high level. But if you look at Zeller, the volume, because all of his shots are, he has a little bit of post up, but mainly all around the rim. Zeller's probably a pretty similar um, rim finisher, so I think it's good that he puts pressure on on Nurk for more minutes. Um, but I, what I would probably see would say that there, there won't be any Covington back up five minutes this year because they probably won't need them. They give all those to Zeller first and then see where Nance fits in because Nance in some lineups will be defend a little bit of three. Um, yeah, I. I'd definitely like to see a bit of that. How have you felt about Nurk's um, start to the season? Yeah, I um, 
I've not been super impressed and I agree with you. It's like his finishing around. I mean, he's, he's historically been not a great finisher around the rim for a big. And he also continuously seems to have this problem where the ball will just bounce off of his hands at random times. Um, and also he demands, demands maybe a strong word. He <laughs> encourages the coaching staff to give him a slightly larger offensive role than Zeller will ever demand. And I think that Zeller as a center with all of the different weapons, the Blazers have, I'm not sure that they structurally need somebody else, especially when Nance, I think has untapped potential on this team. I mean, he has been playing way less than I thought he'd be playing. I'm shocked to see that Nance is only playing 17 minutes a game, but yeah, I've not been super encouraged by use of Durkett so far. I, you know, I also don't think he's been playing terribly, but Again, maybe this is just like simplistic analysis for me, but I fundamentally, I'm curious as to what the Blazers would look like if Zeller played more minutes and Nurkic played fewer minutes just because the Blazers have so much else they could be playing with. It kind of goes back to your point earlier about do they have like too many people to spread the minutes around? Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's been it's been very, I have been so pleasantly surprised with Cody Zeller. And, and the other thing too with him is that it looks very sustainable the things that he does right are they don't seem like a stretch, right? Like, I mean, it seems like something that he can just continue doing. So yeah, I don't know. I guess we'll see how it works moving forward, but I've been excited so far. Yeah. Yeah. He's been great. And I think anytime you can get a guy that's played on, let's be honest, those Hornets teams were pretty shitty. If you played on <laughs> average teams and yes. you're not like, I mean, if he'd played on the Lakers, for example, um, Lakers is probably a bad example, but, a bigger market team, then he's he's probably not available on the minimum. That's just the way that the NBA works. But he was injured on a bad team. You were able to get him on the minimum, even though his market was he probably could have got four or five million, maybe a buy annual or something like that on a bit on a better team. Oh sorry, on a lesser team, but he came to a better team for less. So yeah, I've really I've really, really liked him. Um before we close the pot out, how have you felt about CJ McCullum? I think CJ has had a very similar start to the season that we saw last year before he broke his foot. And I just feel that the guy never really recovered from that injury. And he was disappointed, I, I feel, internally about the playoffs that he had. And he's just had a massive start to the year to say, hey, I am an all-star. I raised my game last year. I'm taking more threes. Um, also, the way he comes out and talks about himself and says, but I still don't give a shit if you think I'm not this guy because I know I am. Yeah. I mean, I've been really encouraged. I mean, his hot start has been tempered a little bit in the last couple of games. Um, and his stats have come down to earth a little bit, but that, I mean, what you mentioned about how he was playing so well last year before he got hurt. I mean, part of it shows up in the stats and part of it just shows up in the confidence with which he's playing and what he knows he's able to do. And not that, I mean, CJ's never really lacked for confidence. I mean, not since he's become a starter, but yeah, if this is the version of CJ McCollum that is going to be lasting, I think it does two important things. One, and most likely, it means that the Blazers have another player who is, you know, an all-star level guard. Not, you know, I, I think this version of CJ McCollum is deserving of an all-star spot. I know the West is packed with guards. Leaving that aside, that elevates the ceiling of this team 
um, in a meaningful way to go from sub all-star to a legit all-star level player. But the other thing it could do is that it may be raising CJ's trade value to a level that's never been before. And I know it's early days, six game in the season. Like, why am I talking about trades? But I do think that that's important. I mean, if there is a deal to be made for this version of CJ McCollum, if other GMs are looking at CJ McCollum differently than they did before, that is meaningfully important and could affect the type of deals that Neil O'Shea would get. Having said that, I think most people who follow the Blazers know, and if you don't follow the Blazers, you now know, Neil Olshay is very attached to CJ McCollum. Neil Olshay loves CJ McCollum, which is great. And he's been really unwilling to trade him or talk about trading him. Um, And so that's well and good. But yes, I do think it's important that if he plays this well, that his trade value may be higher, which may open up deals that were just not there before. And I'm just, that's just interesting to me. Yeah, agreed. And the ultimate, when I look at the team, if there was going to be a CJ trade, it's... um, being able to play Larry Nance more for more for you know like he's a he's a really good forward you think about what he can do when he can stretch the floor and um yeah Nate um Damian Lillard's um marketer he spoke about um how he'd like to see Larry Nance attempting more threes and I'd love to see that too and you could have Covington maybe at the three more um and then play um Norman Powell more at the two have your number one backup guard off the bench as a six man would be uh, and and then you imagine the second unit with um there's a little playing there i mean it would it would change things a lot if cj was traded but i can't i can't see that happening um before we before we close this pot out can you like how are you feeling about the next week of games that are coming up and i know it's going to be a little bit of a tough run for the blazers what are you looking for them to do and, and how are you feeling about what's coming up well, first, I'm looking for them to bounce back against the Sixers tonight. Uh, no Ben Simmons, obviously. No Joel Embiid. And uh, no Tobias Harris uh, out due to health and safety protocols. Um, so, yeah, I don't know who's suiting up for the 76ers. <laughs> um, uh, the Blazers should win this game, particularly with Harris not being there. So they better win that game. Um, be a great bounce back from the, the game against Charlotte. Um, they continue on the road against the Cavaliers on Wednesday. They should also have a very good chance to win that game. I think the Cavaliers are maybe a little bit better this year than in years past. You know, um, great. Uh, still a very winnable game. It would be nice to get that. Um, and then they come back home and they play the Pacers on Friday. And then the, they go um, uh, staying in Portland to play the Lakers Saturday and then the Clippers again on Tuesday, which I didn't realize they would play the Clippers three times so quick early in the season. Um, so definitely a, a very winnable stretch of games uh, for a lot of those. Again, win loss wise, if you split them, that feels pretty good to me. I am really looking more. The biggest thing I'm looking for, if I'm a Blazers fan, what am I looking for? It's Damian Lillard. He does need to break out of his slump eventually. And, how Damian Lillard goes, that's how the Blazers team is going to go. Their ceiling, their floor, their everything is dependent on him. So I am just looking for that, you know, wins and losses aside. And then the other thing to your point is, how are they involving Larry Nance Jr.? I think that that's going to be really, really important too. And it's just, it's still so early, six games into the season. So to me, I'm still not really looking at wins and losses as much as I am about process and how it looks on the court. 
and what I would say to people too, and I don't know if there's a chance that I could come back on at some point later on down the road, but I will start drawing more definitive conclusions about this team about 20-ish games in. So I'm watching, I'm interested, I'm tracking stuff. You know, the whole thing about which stats are representative earlier, I'm keeping an eye on that, but I'm really not going to draw any hard conclusions until about 20 games in. Um, so yeah, I hope... I hope Dane goes for 60. That's what I want to see. Yeah, 60 yeah. and three quarters and sits the entire fourth. That'd be amazing. That's what I want to see. Honestly, I'm the same. Like, I obviously want the team to win, but um, I, yeah, I tweeted about a week ago that I would bet something. I don't know what I said. Um, I retweeted a stat news um, tweet, and I just said, I guarantee that Dane will average 30 or 35 points a game and 50% from three because... I've seen the guy average yeah. 50 a game for about two weeks. Um, he averaged 30 a game or 40% for three for only two seasons ago. So I know he's going to bounce back. I just want to see it sooner rather than later because when he's going off, there's very few players who are similar. So, um, yeah, we're going to close totally this spot out. Um, Brandon, can you tell people where people can find you on Twitter? Yeah, for sure. Uh, you can find me at PDX, and you can find... The podcast, it's We Like the Blazers at Like the Blazers on Twitter or just we like the blazers.com and also follow uh my colleague and co-host Ryan Whitledge at the witty Ryan. Um yeah, Twitter. Twitter is a weird place. We need to have a discussion <laughs> at some point about like the ecosystem of Blazers Twitter, but yeah, that's where oh, you can yeah. find our stuff. <laughs> the the tweets and the things that that I see and yourself and <laughs> the fights I've had with people and uh, getting blocked and blocking and uh, your Blazers Twitter is amazing. It's, it's amazing when the team also is like up and down, you know, because they'll be playing well and then they'll have a bad game and um, yeah, there's catastrophizing and there's private death threats and all sorts of crazy shit. But anyway, that's a discussion for another day. (laughs) Thank you so much. And I, um, Oh, I just sorry. No, I just uh, to your point about blocking people. I have recently unblocked everybody I've ever blocked. So if you're listening to this, I blocked you at some point. You were now unblocked. So go hit me up on Twitter. (laughs) That's good, man. Um, Yeah, anybody that that was blocked by Brandon, go and have a look. Mandy Galvey, I blocked. So you can go and abuse the shit out of him when um, exactly. That's right. Post tweets you don't like. Uh, but yeah, oh thank you everyone for uh, for tuning in. Um, Blazers game starts very soon, and but I will be dropping this in a couple of hours. Um, yeah, just to get this out so we can chat on some Blazers. And yeah, thank you everyone for tuning in, and um, hope you have a really great day, Brandon. Thanks, man.